The unofficial countdown to college football has begun as SEC Media Days wrapped up last Thursday up in Hoover. We are going to hear from a lot of the coaches and players up there. Plus, today we're going to be joined by Will Lockamy of the Feinbaum Show and Peter Burns of the SEC and ESPN Network. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we do a full recap of SEC Media Days right here only on the Stingray and Tuck Show. You don't want to miss it. Guys, as you have tuned in to another exciting edition of the Stingray and Tuck Show, I am your host, Stephen Ray, along with my sidekick and co-host, Landon Tucker. Guys, we are so excited to be back here for the Stingray and Tuck Show. We have a really exciting interview for us, or for you guys, later on. Absolutely. We're going to talk, of course, like I said, with Will Lockamy and, of course, Peter Burns later on in the show. Those are going to be some outstanding perspective around the SEC Media Days. And first off, I think we, before we get into the SEC Media Days, we need to catch some people up because we really haven't been here in quite a while. And I think we need to start with uh, good old Landon got the NBA playoff finals correct. You said Cavaliers in seven, and you were right. Congratulations, LeBron and Cleveland. They won the championship. Landon, what are your thoughts about the Cavs finally bringing a championship back to Cleveland, a city that had not seen a championship in 40-plus years? Unbelievable. I mean, if you're an NBA fan in general, um, if you don't really care too much for Golden State or the Cavs, uh, this is fantastic. Uh, One of the best stories in sports that we're going to see in a really long time um, you know, sometimes in sports, even you can, you know, those 30 for 30 shows, sometimes you can tell, okay, this is going to be a great 30 for 30 someday. This entire Cavaliers team was one of them. Uh, Johnny Manziel is somebody comes to mind, but this team is also uh, some a really special team. LeBron is a really special player. Um, and so this was a fantastic finals. You know, a lot of Golden State people will kind of take the blame for Draymond Green gets suspended for game five. Um, I don't know if that calls for a complete collapse of a team coming back from 3-1. to All in all, fantastic series. And then after that, Golden State went down very long because Kevin Durant, the all-star and former MVP, decided to sign with him. Stephen, what were your thoughts about that? About the uh, Durant signing with him? Oh, yes. Uh, that was pretty shocking in my opinion. Um, I actually thought that he was going to stay – in Oklahoma City, but I guess after the 3-1 loss that OKC suffered to the Warriors, I guess he was like, well, he can't beat them, join them. That's true. And, you know, whenever LeBron James left the Cavaliers, uh, Stephen, a lot of people really hated on him for going to Miami, trying to stack the deck. But let's, let's just be real. The Miami Heat team of 2010 is not in the same stratosphere of players, so like whenever LeBron went to Miami, he went with Bosch and Wade. Yep. All in all, who were a total letdown. Wade was was never healthy. Bosch, 
Um, his numbers collapsed completely. Um, there's game seven where he had zero points and zero rebounds as a quote-unquote all-star. This team he went to, Kevin Durant went to in Golden State, was already one of the best teams historically ever. Now you add Kevin Durant, it's going to be scary. It's going to be really frightening for the Western Conference. Uh, do you think Do you think it's just automatic the Golden State Warriors are going to go ahead and win, or do you think there's a shot someone else could win next season? Uh, no, I think it's a slam dunk uh, on the Warriors if the personality of all three of those players, Curry, Thompson, and Durant, don't get in the way because you got a lot of egos there, and if that happens, you may have you may find another uh, Dwight Howard in the Magic situation happening right there at the Warriors. But let me say this before we you know switch gears and all that stuff. It was very apparent to me. And I don't know about you, but the Warriors ran out of gas. And I think it was because they were completely exhausted trying to get the record and just ran out of steam at the wrong time. Yeah, and it's, it's a bunch of different things that really could have landed into that. I just think there are some things in sports where a team's attitude takes over. Right, uh, it seems like it. Where a team says, "Look, this is it. We are going to come back." LeBron James did a fantastic job leading the, the back-to-back forty-one points. Um, he led. This is a pretty unbelievable stat. No one talks about. He led both teams in points, rebounds, assists, and I believe there's one more stat as well. I can't remember at the moment. It might have been steals. Yes. Unbelievable. Like what a what a freak of nature. So, um, you know, the Warriors. No one really knows what happens to, happened to them. I think this was more of the Cavaliers went out and won it rather than the Warriors straight up lost it. Okay, and speaking of the Warriors, just for a second, now that you view the overall season that they had, they got the historic season, they made history, but they didn't win a title. Do you think that this was a complete waste of time now? According to Clay Thompson, um, who said this season would be considered a failure if they didn't win a championship, in that regard, yeah, because they didn't win that. But overall, they will always be viewed as the team with the best record ever. Unfortunately, there will be a but. They didn't win the title. There will always be a but. They did not win the NBA championship with it. So, uh, you know, it was a successful season as far as regular season goes. Here's a crazy stat. They, I can't remember the exact number of losses they had in the playoffs, but I'm almost certain it matched the nine that they had in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, unbelievable of, of kind of a collapse they had. Absolutely, and now let's go ahead and switch gears and talk about college football, and there's been a ton of issues going on in college football, and the horrible offseason in the SEC continues as, uh, let's say, Sunday night. Um, An Alabama player was arrested for a DUI, and um, that's really not good, especially after the Cam Robinson, and Hootie Jones situation. Yeah, yeah. Alfonso Taylor, who is a starting guard for the Alabama Crimson Tide, started all the games last season in their national championship year, got a DUI in Tuscaloosa. You know, it's very funny. No one knows what's going to come out of this, but nothing good for Alabama, okay? If if Saban says, okay, I'll go ahead and suspend him for one game, uh, well, then two things happen. Number one, he'll be suspended for the opener, opener versus Southern Cal. Number two, people are going to say, wait a minute. Cam Robinson and Hootie Jones got nothing at all. Not one single thing. And they had a 
stolen firearm and a, and a substance uh, yes, along with a, a marijuana. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, sure that the pro- the person did not prosecute him. Um, it's just it's just a really funny thing, and, and unfortunately, it's a part of our sports world like more and more. It really, it seems like ten years ago, this sort of thing was not happening on a weekly basis, where teams from all over the nation, really particularly in the SEC, were having players getting busted for stuff like this. But yes, uh, they have not announced. However, on Monday, they did announce Alfonso Taylor is going to be suspended indefinitely. Right. Uh, so we'll kind of see how that goes. Here's the deal, though: if their guard is out for one game. It's really not going to make that big of a difference. Alabama's got so much talent. It doesn't. It just doesn't matter anymore. Absolutely. And we have some very sad news uh, to report. Uh, let's see. Uh, Friday night, Chris Smith, a former Mississippi State player, was shot and killed uh, down in Meridian, Mississippi. Uh, I believe he played the... Uh, 2011 through 2013, he was a great wide receiver for Mississippi State. Now, the details uh, are very sketchy at the moment. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Landon, but I do think that they have a warrant out for the uh, suspect's arrest down in Meridian. I believe on Monday they announced they had they had found they had identified the person. Okay. Um, Yeah. You know, really quick. You know, quick. Uh, Chris Smith, obviously, we uh, have our send our prayers and thoughts out to his family. Um, he was a part of Dan Mullen's first recruiting class. He was he was 09 to 2012, um, and he was a part of that Tyler Russell uh, and um, Tyler Russell class in 2009. That was really Chris established. Ralph. Yeah, that was really established with uh, Dan Mullen when he first came out, and really a great player. And that is uh, some really sad news. Um, Stephen, you know, this past week. We had SEC Media Days, um, in case no one had, is on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Stephen was all over that. <laughs> Stephen Stingray <laughs> was uh, interviewing folks, including a gentleman we'll have on the show later on. Will Lockamy. Will Lockamy. Uh, and, and one other, of course, that is a, uh, a surprise we're really excited to announce from ESPN. Um, and so, Stephen, your overall views, being your first time there at Media Days, what did you think of everything? It was absolutely insane. Uh, it was very, very calm. Uh, on Tuesday, when Dan Mullen walked in, it was like, "Oh, hey, Coach, good, you know, good to see you." That kind of thing. When Saban walked in on Wednesday, oh my God, it's Saban! <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. You couldn't move. The camera people were everywhere. I mean, you literally—if you were not a cameraman there, if you were just a regular. Uh, fan or spectator, you could not see Nick Saban for all of the camera and media people around him. It's unbelievable. And especially uh, with Nick Saban being a coach that makes $7 million a year, when he walks into a place like that, you would think it was a president of the United States. Yeah, and what's really funny is, and I say funny, it could be sad, um, it seems like people in the state of Alabama, really or SEC overall, um, might go to a Coach Saban rather than President Obama if he was in the room. I mean, they, they care about him that much uh, as as a coach. And, yeah, you know, it's funny. You see Nick Saban, you see Dan Mullen on camera, but you never really see what's going on behind the camera. And to kind of explain to you, picture, about, picture Dan Mullen walking, maybe someone escorting him by his side, and then about 28 people with cameras walking backwards without looking behind them. Uh, it, it's It's nuts, man. It is a really exciting thing to see, though. Uh, to be able to learn. I have to know, who is the most famous person you met during last week? Probably uh, Paul Feinbaum, of course, John Hayes, 
Or you could even add to the list um, Joe Tessitore. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I also uh, met Maria Taylor, but unfortunately I did not get a picture with her. Yeah, she is awesome, dude. She's like 6'3 or so. She's, yeah, she, <laughs> she's she is tall. tall. Yes. <laughs> Um, but it was a great week at SEC Media Days. We will be discussing uh, here in a little bit uh, some really exciting details and, and kind of get your opinion and, and, and give you our opinion on things that came out of the coach's mouth. Did you meet anybody in particular up there um, I, that big time? That was big time. I think probably the, the most person from ESPN I have a conversation with uh, was at least John Neighbors from ESPN mm-hmm. Arkansas. Right. Um, I, but I will tell you, I was within spitting distance. Otherwise, but that'd get me thrown out of media days. Yeah. Um, in the media room, I was in there with uh, Dari Noka, uh, Paul Feinbaum, Marcus Spears, Dan Mullen, um, and, and some some people like that. And so that mm-hmm. was that was really neat getting to see those people that you see on television uh, and being able to be next to them and kind of work along with them. Did you uh, uh, did you talk with Barrett Sully? I did not. I cannot find Barrett Sully anywhere. He was pretty awesome. And also, uh, Clay Travis was up there. But unfortunately, I could not find him because, you know, I have a bone to pick with him <laughs> because he is the one who started the whole Hitler mustache thing with Stingray, and uh, uh, I don't like that. Of course. Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. I did meet Clay Travis, and I will tell you, Stingray, he is actually really nice to me. <laughs> so I, I don't know. might be he didn't know me. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you have a bone to pick with him, we need, we need to talk to him at some point. But anyway, um, we met some really awesome people there. Uh, and really, everyone was really nice. Everyone wanted to meet Stingray, and Stingray was kind of the talk of the town. Uh, we hope to have Stingray and Tuck show there uh, next year represented on Radio Row, possibly. Yes, absolutely. But we got to get our followers and listeners up first. So make sure you share this around with all your friends so that we can be right there talking with people next year at Media Days. Of course. We would love to get you guys uh, online and maybe ask some questions to our guests there. So you guys are re- really what kind of drive our uh, our boat, per se, as far as the Stingray and Tuck show goes. So. All right. Well, we're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we are very pleased to announce we are going to have Peter Burns oh, yeah. of the SEC on the show coming up next. You don't want to miss that, talking about SEC Media Days. So make sure you stay tuned for Peter Burns on the other side of the break. Hey guys, this is Stingray, host of the Stingray and Tuck Show. Are you tired of Facebook groups with members that constantly attack you about sports? Leave them and come join us at Sports Talk 365, where there will be no attacking. There will be no trolling. There will be no post about racism, politics, or even religion. Just straight sports talk. So if you're interested, come on and join us. You must be 18 or older to join. Welcome back inside the Stingray and Tuck Show. And now we are glad to be joined by Peter Burns of the SEC Network to talk all things SEC. And I'm standing here with uh, Peter Burns of ESPN. Are you doing okay today? I'm doing good. Now that I got Stingray interviewing me, this is like, this has made my week. Like, I feel like I've officially made it now. Right. Uh, 
just kind of describe the hype surrounding media days this year. Um, I think the hype is, I've said this many times, I think this is the most intriguing college football season in the SEC that we've had in 20 years. I think there's so many coaches going into their third, fourth, or fifth year that this is when they have to figure it out. There's a lot of fan bases that have said, hey, we've been patient, but Kevin Sumlin, you need to win some games. Hey, Hugh Freeze, what's going to happen with this all season? Um, You know, Derek Mason, Mark Stoops, so many different coaches in that third, fourth, fifth year that we need to see, uh, you know, this program go in the right direction. And I think that's what makes it so interesting this year. Um, who would you say right now is the odds-on favorite coming out of media day to win the SEC? Uh, overall, I think a lot of people are still going to say Alabama. When it comes down to the vote, it's just they've been burned by picking against Alabama before, and Saban just continues to have five-star guys replace five-star guys. I personally, I'm picking LSU to win the West, not because I'm a kid from Louisiana, but because I I think LSU and Alabama have the same amount of talent this year, and I think the tiebreaker, because they're so close, is going to be that game in Death Valley, November the 5th, 8 o'clock. It's just going to be a, a crazy game. So uh, that's who I like. I like uh, I like Tennessee in the East right now, too. I think um, when I sat and talked with Butch Jones a couple of years ago, he said, we just need to have the depth, and I think finally they have the depth for the squad. Okay. Uh, can you give me some sleeper teams from both sides that could possibly jump up and surprise people? Yeah. I I think Texas A&M. Uh, I think they've always had the athletes there, but I think the mentality of Kevin Sumlin, I, I think he realized that he doesn't need to have the splash and the sizzle. He needs just good fundamental coaching. He has all the players. Now he needs the guys. So I think the coaching changes he made and the uh, the approach, having Trevor Knight there will, will go ahead and help. I think a and is my surprise team in the West. In the East, I think it's Vanderbilt. Uh, I think what I saw with Derek Mason, um, if you can play defense in this in this conference, you you have a chance at upsetting some people. Now, I don't know if that's a you know nine or ten win season because uh, I think they still have some question marks on the offensive side, especially a quarterback with Kyle Shermer. But they can run the the heck out of the ball with Ralph Webb, and that defense might be as stout as anybody. And they don't have the five star guys, but Derek Mason's finding those three stars, and he can coach them into four or five star type caliber. What do you think about the Mississippi State Bulldogs after Dak Prescott? How do they replace a guy like? That. Well, it's almost impossible because Dak meant so much not only to the, the the team and the offense, but just the community and what he meant for, you know, I mean, I had a man crush on Dak Prescott. I mean, he was my favorite athlete to cover since I started working for SEC Network. Um, and so I think I think um, Coach Mullen has says there's guys that have flashes of brilliance like Dak, but it's not consistent yet. So I don't think he even knows who the starting quarterback is going to be, and that's going to take a couple of weeks. But um, listen, uh, if you're asking a guy that can get the most out of the talent, Dan Mullen for consistently has been able to do that in his eight seasons out in Starkville. Okay. I've got two more questions for you. One, did Mississippi State handle the, the Jeffrey Simmons situation correctly? What's your thoughts on that? I believe they did. I, I believe in, in, out of all the schools that I've been and visited and had a chance to sit down with, I feel as comfortable as any with what Scott Strickland has done as the athletic director and you know Coach Dan Mullen of looking at that and saying – Starkville's a different place. It's 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 a community. It's a family, and I don't believe because the expectations there are not to win a national championship every single year. It's not as cutthroat. Now it is still competitive, mm-hmm. but I don't think that 
they would risk that if they didn't do their due diligence enough and think, hey, you know what? This kid was in an awful spot at an awful time, did an awful thing, but is there a chance that we can turn this kid into part of the, the Bulldog family? And I believe that, that they can. Okay. And finally, with all the hype surrounding Hugh Freeze and the allegations, what do you think ultimately comes out with the NCAA at Ole Miss? Well, it, it's crazy because the NCAA, n none of it ever, like, we could write several books, you and I, about yep. why did they do this to this team and why did they do that to another team? Right. Um, I do know in, in talking to Coach Freeze and, and everybody down in Oxford that, listen, they, they're just going to keep everything open and, hey, if you, they've been basically, you know, looking into the program like everybody. Like, right. you know, the NCAA does with a lot of these programs for many years and, listen, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, hey, if, if you did something wrong, you come out and say it and take your penance and if not, then you fight it tooth and nail. So, there's no telling what's going to happen. I think we're all kind of waiting to see because the NCAA sometimes is uh, interesting in their decisions. I'm going to put you on the spot here just for a second. Give me your top four going into the playoffs. Top four overall in all yes. of college football. Mm -hmm. I think Clemson, again, with Deshaun Watson, is hard to, to go ahead and pick against him. I think Houston uh, with Tom Herman. And I know that's kind of crazy to think about, but if he, they beat Oklahoma in the first game of the year, mm -hmm. I think it's it's smooth sailing after that. I think they have played Louisville, but I think that they can beat them. Um, then I've got whoever wins the SEC each, in which I think is going to be LSU. Mm -hmm. um, and then wild card wise, it's it's tough. You know, I mean, Baylor would have been an interesting squad before that happened. You're, right. you're interesting to see what happens at TCU. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I still have to probably say Ohio State. They continue to have a, a lot of good, uh, just so much talent there. And every coach wishes they coached in the Big Ten for one reason, right. that they only had to win three hard games instead of the eight hard games they got right. to win here in, in, in the SEC. All right. And finally, does the SEC win it again? Or are they? Heck left? yes. Okay. I, you know what? I'm not picking against them. I mean, you just know with the best facilities, the best coaches, the best recruits, the best, by far the best fans. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is it? Seven of the last nine years? Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, it's tough to go against that. I'm not, I'm not very good at math. But, right. you know, I think it, there's a chance it could be 80% in 8 out of 10 years. It would be nice. All right. All right, man. Thank you hey, so thanks, much. Buddy. All right. All right. Well, on that note, we are going to take a very short break. When we come back, we are going to have audio from SEC Media Days and talk more about the ins and outs of the days there in Hoover. And then we're going to talk to Will Lockamy of the Feinbaum Show. That and a whole lot more coming up on the other side of the break, and you're listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show. Hey guys, this is Stingray, host of the Stingray and Tuck Show here to tell you about Oz Music in Tuscaloosa. They have new and used CDs, DVDs, LPs, posters, and quick special orders with a 10% discount. You can contact Oz Music at 758-1222. Once again, that's 758-1222. Oz Music, support your local record store. Oz Music is located in the Parkview Shopping Center behind Flowers Bakery in Tuscaloosa. Check them out. Welcome back into the Stingray and Tuck show. And now we are going to get into some of the audio from surrounding the SEC Media Days last week. And where do you think we ought to start, Landon? I'll tell you what. We are going to start with Nick Saban 
and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, obviously, with Cam Robinson and Hootie Jones's arrest uh, and a few months ago, uh, brought up a lot of questions about what Nick Saban was going to do. He has a huge, huge opener against University of Southern California. Um, nothing has been done, unfortunately. And so Paul Feinbaum did a great job. He, he was not afraid of it. And remember this. Nick Saban, for a full 10 to 15 minutes, was on a podium with, I don't know, maybe 200 media people in the room. Not one person asked him about Cam Robinson, uh, in my personal opinion, because they're afraid. Nick Saban kind of jumps over media, and that's fine. Paul Feinbaum, however, was not afraid. He has no reason to be scared. Uh, and so he went ahead and asked him a question, and Nick Saban uh, jumped went right off. back at him. Absolutely. Nick Saban pretty much went off. And here is that actual uh, little dialogue between Paul Feinbaum and head coach Nick Saban. A lot of people, that, that's a very bad look for your program, that you're working out internally but not suspending them publicly for an important game against Southern Cal. How, how do you answer those critics? Well, I don't really care to answer the critics because I'm going to do what's right for the players. Uh, and if the players really did anything that wrong, uh, they would have got charged with something, right? So well, I mean, I, I, just because I, I, I they got mean, arrested, that's debatable. I thought, that, that's I debatable if you listen to what the district attorney said in his simply yeah, un, the unintelligent did, uh, response. Didn't, didn't say what all was. Like there were four people in the car. Why did the two football players get arrested and the other guys get not get arrested? All right, there's no law about concealed rep weapons in Louisiana. Is that right, Marcus? That's You're correct. from Louisiana. All right, so why did they search the car just because there was a gun on the seat? Do you seat? think they were persecuting the football players? I, I, I don't. There's just a lot of questions there that are reasons that there weren't charges brought against these guys. Now, we're going to do every... Now, do we condone the behavior? No. All right, but you're innocent until proven guilty in this country, regardless of whether you get convicted in the media or not, which is what you're doing to these I'm players. Not, I'm not convicting anyone. Right. I'm just asking you why you are not going to suspend Cam Robinson for the Southern Because Calgary. I'm not going to convict him in the public. And you said that I was going to get criticized by you and the public and the media because I'm not going to suspend him. And I don't really care about that. It's the end of the conversation. <laughs> okay. And, of course, before we move along, we want to thank our good friends over at the Paul Feinbaum Show on the SEC Network for allowing us to pull that audio for you guys on the Stingray and Tuck Show. But, Landon, let me ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Do you think Paul Feinbaum was justified in asking Saban those questions, or did he cross a line? Certainly not. No, I think he was right on the money. He said things that I kind of how I mentioned a minute ago that people wanted, I think, wanted to ask, but no one did. And so, you know, I think he did a great job um, of really going after it and not being afraid. Uh, I think one of the best things I've ever heard someone say in, in the media um, is you are often the way you respond to criticism kind of declares on how true it is. Uh, Nick Saban was mighty, mighty, uh, what's the word, uh, maybe touchy. You know, he didn't really want to talk about it it kind of seemed like um and who knows you know that that might not be anything i just think it is very hard uh to, to justify not spending them for anything a quarter you can't like n nothing at all for their actions um and i get it he said he i think he said earlier a few months ago he does not want to ruin these guys lives well he's not it's just a game um really the only person that would really hurt is your team for the first game and that proves they'd be fine absolutely and especially not suspending Cam Robinson, Hootie Jones, but then turning around the next week or the weekend and suspending somebody for a DUI. Yeah. Now, well, let me let me say this. I think uh, it all comes down to personal preference. 
but I would rather have someone behind bars that was doing a DUI uh, than someone who had a substance. And if he really had the firearm legally, that's fine. If it was stolen, obviously I'd like him behind bars too. But I don't want anybody out on the road uh, who was intoxicated. That is just a terrible, terrible thing to do. And it's just really a stupid move. I mean, I, I don't – I don't. You know, there's a stereotype, Stephen, around football players that maybe they're not very smart and there's, there's just muscly guys. And unfortunately, a lot of these guys recently are proving that's very true. Keep – you know, get, don't do anything dumb. Uh, these guys are in their last few years of their career. Stay out of trouble, and you'll be paid millions of dollars. Like, that's it. That's, that's, that's all you got to do. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see. Um, but, Stephen, going from Alabama to Mississippi State – um, what were your thoughts on Dan Mullen's uh, opinions and his quotes about Jeffrey Simmons? A lot of people asked him about Jeffrey Simmons, um, which, which is the right thing to do that media needs to know to uh, let the other people know. What did you think about Dan Mullen's comments? I think he hurt himself and the program just simply because he uh, was not coached on how to uh, answer the questions correctly. I think he should have just, you know, done the Nick Saban and said, uh, that's the end of the conversation. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, what's done is done, and that let that be that. But, you know, anything else you say uh, beyond this point basically hurts your program and hurts the way people perceive you. And, you know, you and I were talking off camera. Well, not off camera, but off show, I should say. I've gotten too much TV in me right now. <laughs> I do apologize. But we, we were talking and uh, you, you feel the same way. Yeah, well, he, here's one thing. Now, you know, Nick Saban says he's done talking about it, but he explained himself. Dan Mullen tried to explain himself, but just didn't make any sense. Like, I mean, there was no reason that was justified at all to suspend him one game. That's it. There, that's the end of it. Um, he mentioned, the uh, Scott Strickland mentioned, he did not want to ruin this young guy's life because of his decision. But that's the thing. It's one game. A whole season doesn't even ruin his life. It, it's... You have to discipline him more, and Dan Mullen did not do a good job with, uh, you know, kind of demonstrating that. Do you think he'll learn from that from now on, or do you think Dan is just kind of this is the way he is? Well, basically, let's before we jump into that, here is what Dan Mullen actually did say at the podium uh, last Tuesday, revolving around the Jeffrey Simmons situation. Well, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't in, involved in that. I, I, there were parts of the uh, everything that went on in the Jeffrey Simmons uh, decision that I was involved in, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, the university made that decision. As I said, I, I'm I'm just very happy that we have him in in our family. Uh, for us, um, uh, as, as a young man, uh, that being given an opportunity uh, to get a college education to go succeed in life and. Uh, you know, and, and and hopefully for him, not have his life defined by 10 seconds of video. But you know, Landon, it goes beyond that 10 seconds of video because you hit a woman. I mean, it. it I mean, there there's a line there that you just don't cross as a human being. Now, uh, I don't know if it's justified because he's a football player or not, but I know if you and I did the same thing that Jeffrey Simmons did, uh, we would be four foot, six foot under the jail right now. Which we would deserve, by the way. We, we, we Absolutely. Would, we would deserve that. Um, and, and, you know, and one of the media people – now, listen, people can bang on the media a lot, but they do ask some questions sometimes that are good. Yeah. Uh, it just makes people mad. Um, one person asked Dan Mullen – I don't know who it is, so I can't really give credit to them. But one person asked Dan, hey, if this was your daughter, would it be different? Dan Mullen – and two different questions of people asking that. And – 
for one, Dan Mullen would say, I don't like to look at hypotheticals. And two, he said, my daughter would not be in this situation. Uh, dude, don't, you know, you, you can't do that. You have to understand when you make those decisions, those are the kind of questions that are going to come at you because those are legitimate. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see how it goes. Thankfully, thank goodness, we are, what, 40 days or so from, no, 43? 44. Uh, so something, something around that time uh, from, from the SE, from about 43 maybe, um, <laughs> from the start of football. It's going to be fantastic. And we'll be able to get out of these stories, hopefully, if the players are smart up during the season. Yeah, and, man, we need to switch gears just a little bit and continue talking about Mississippi State, but talk about them on the other side of the ball because we uh, Mississippi State has a brand-new defensive coordinator, and uh, some of the players that were brought to Media Days, uh, one of the guys was um, A.J. Jefferson, and he was asked about the difference between – the three coordinators that Mississippi State has had over the last three years, Jeff Collins, Manny Diaz, and now Peter Sermon. Here is what A.J. Jefferson had to say about his new defensive coordinator in Starkville. Um, we played it in previous years, so, I mean, I'm accustomed to it. I feel like all our guys will be used to it, but I, I don't think it will be much different. I mean, it's pretty much the same technique. I just be inside shade. I mean, playing defense doesn't change. Every defense coordinator we come, we have come here, they might dress it up a different way, but it's, it's all the same thing. They want guys to fly to the ball. They want us to have juice and energy, excitement. I mean, just go out there and play and love love while you're doing it. Just have fun while you're doing it. So, I mean, tackling is one of the ones that, like, you know, all the coaches really touch on, like, that and just being juiced up out there, having fun, just loving to be out there on defense. And, of course, the first part of that question was asked how different it would be moving from a 3-4 defense to a 4-3 under Peter Sermon's watch there at Mississippi State. And, Landon, how do you think the defense is going to look at Mississippi State? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The defense over the past few years has been interesting. Two years ago, Jeff Collins' last season, the defense – at the very kind of front part of the 2014 season, it was pretty lights out. Towards the last part of the season, it kind of let go. Manny Diaz comes in and really allows people to just throw all over and make sure they don't score, but <laughs> even that was unsuccessful at times. Um, you know, Peter Sermon, this is his first defensive coordinator job, but he has worked with some very talented defensive people um, in his time at USC and his time at Washington. Um, Singer and I actually both talked to Peter on this past Friday um, at, at an event in, in Laurel, Mississippi, um, and kind of got trying to get a feel uh, for what next season was going to look like. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think even though there's a loss of talent, the linebackers for Mississippi State are among one of the, some of the best in the SEC. And, of course, the linemen are too. Uh, A.J. Jefferson's returning. Uh, he's supposed to have a great year. Uh, the cornerbacks are supposed to be lights out too. So the defense, I think, is going to be one of the strongholds of the season there for Mississippi State. The question mark is going to be on the other side of the ball at the quarterback position. But I tell you, another team in the SEC that does not have a quarterback issue, that is, of course, down at Texas A&M down there where Kevin Sumlin, there's rumors about, oh, could he be on the hot seat? Here's what Kevin Sumlin had to say this past week at Media Days about coming into the season on the hot seat and does he feel any pressure around the A&M program 
this upcoming season? I think every season I've been there has been crucial. Um, you know, we knew what we were signing up for when I got there, when nobody thought we were going to win at all. We came out, you know, I, I wasn't in the Big 12 with, with Texas A&M. Um, obviously, we've had some success, but uh, I think it says a lot that, you know, people expect for us to compete, compete for a championship in, in the first four or five years when five years ago they didn't think that was going to be the case. So uh, you take the good with the bad. We've set the bar, and we get that. And, and uh, we're not going to shy away from that. Um, you know, we, we've, we've got some things that we, got, we need to get done. Uh, I think people who are close to the program uh, understand that. I think people who are around our program understand that. Uh, but I think it also says a lot for people that expect us to be where, where, where uh, you know, to be a championship program. And that's what we want to be. And, and let's take you back, all right, where we are right now. This program's in better shape than it was when I got there. Um, in a four-year period, we won more games than, than any 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 four-year period in the last 20 years at Texas A&M. Our APR is the highest it's ever been, and we generate more revenue than we've ever been. So, from a number standpoint, our program's a, a heck of a lot better place than, than where it was. Does it need to get better? Yes, and uh, we recognize that. And I think we've uh, we made some very very um, difficult. Uh, and, and decisions um, at the end of last season, uh, really starting December 31st at, at, uh, with, with uh, hiring some new coaches, um, attracting uh, you know, a, a, a veteran quarterback. And I think a lot of that has really, uh, those decisions and those changes have contributed to a really drama-free offseason and a, and a team that's very, very quiet right now. But um, as we get closer to the season, um, I think a lot of people are getting a little different feel for Texas A&M at this point. Man, I'm going to tell you what. He is one of the long-winded coach that we have in the SEC. That's good and bad. Uh, he just kept on and on and on. But uh, Landon, you know, he talks about, you know, the pressure was on them because they set the bar so high. Well, of course they did. When they first came into the – to the league there, what did they do? They had Johnny Manziel. He jumped on the scene, and he came into Tuscaloosa. He knocked off Alabama, and then the bar was raised from there. And what have they done since then? They pretty much dropped off every single year because their defense is not up to par in the SEC, and you got to have great defense to win championships. Now, of course, you can throw it all around the park and, and run around, scramble around, and all that stuff, but, man, at the end of the day, you've got to be able to stop somebody in order to be able able to win games, and A&M just has not been able to do that. And especially what kills them is when they go up against a guy like, oh, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Leonard Fournette, any guys or any team that has a strong physical running game, Texas A&M cannot hold up in the trenches. And I tell you what, that may be ultimately the downfall of Kevin Sumlin because his defenses at Houston were not that good either. They weren't, but he, I'm going to bring up bring up some. I'm going to bring up my inner Lee Corso for here for a second. Their defense this year, I'm predicting right now, will not be their problem. Miles Garrett is trying. He said publicly at media days he is trying to be the number one pick in the draft, um, and I, I see that. I think he's going to have an unreal year. Their defense uh, defensive personnel has gotten better. You mentioned that they won't have much trouble at the quarterback position. And let me say, not so fast, my friend. Here's why. 
Trevor Knight is one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the league. Yes. That's that's true. But he's coming in from the Big 12. Right. Coming in from Oklahoma. The only he, – he, he really has one big shining star, and that, of course, was when he knocked off Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, which, by the way, is, is huge. I mean, it's fantastic. I don't think he's going to do very well this year. He's dropped off statistically every year since then. He's got great receivers around him. I'll give you that. But he has not seen this type of SEC defense since Alabama, and he struggled with Big 12 defenses, which are abysmal, um, ever since then. And Alabama's defense that year, too, was pretty bad, too. For Alabama defenses, yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it seems like every single person – or quarterback, wide receiver, whatever. They have their best game against Alabama. Steven Garcia, 2010, South Carolina. His claim to fame, beating Alabama. Zach Mettenberger, down at LSU. Best game of his career. They couldn't beat Alabama, though. That's the only exception. Cam Newton beat Alabama. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Johnny Manziel. One, the reason he won the Heisman was the moment in Tuscaloosa they knocked off Alabama. Everybody that has a claim to fame makes it against Alabama. Bo Wallace, Ole Miss, everybody hated Bo Wallace until he beat number one Alabama. Then he was the best all-time at Ole Miss. Mm. I, mean, th- I mean, everybody makes – their career around beating Alabama, it never fails. That's right. So, you know, we'll see how, how Kevin Sumlin ends up doing there. Um, I like Kevin Sumlin. I think he, he has been a good coach for the SEC. Um, obviously, it's kind of a, kind of bad for him that he had his best years at the beginning. Now people keep expecting it. It's just like if you take a girl out on a first date and you take her to a really nice, expensive restaurant, that's what she's going to be expecting every time because you set the bar so high. Uh, Kevin Sumlin – took those fans out on a nice date for the first few years, and now it looks like they've been going to McDonald's ever since. Yep, absolutely. Well, here is, speaking of that defense down at Texas A&M, here is what a few of the players, Trevor Knight and, of course, Miles Garrett, had to say internally, do they feel the pressure is on someone this year? Again, not even thinking about it. You know, we're just, we're we're, we're playing for him. We're playing for the... uh, the name on the front was Texas A&M, and you know we're playing for the for the love of the, love of the game. And so, I'm not worried about you know if there's a hot seat for you know one of our coaches or any of our coaches. We're just trying to play because that's what we know how to do. Well, they better start playing pretty fast because they start the season off with a odds-on favorite to win the Pac-12 and possibly get into uh, the 14 playoff UCLA. That game, of course, I believe is there in College Station uh, against UCLA uh, the first weekend. And let me tell you, that is a tough, tough test for Miles Garrett and Trevor Knight to start off against. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, that UCLA team has Josh Rosen. Um, it has a lot, pretty, lot of pretty good talent. Um, and defensively, too, it has some people leave, obviously, Miles Jack um, and a few defensive ends. But uh, they will be fine. It is going to be a good game, I think. I, I'm going to go ahead and say you know, no predictions? No, not yet. Okay. We're going to save that till we'll, closer to this season. We'll wait for later on. But uh, it is going to be a great start to the season.
And staying with Texas A&M just for another minute or two, um, like we said before, Trevor Knight uh, is coming over from the Big 12. Here are some of his comments, what he had to say about making the transition from the Big 12 to the SEC. So uh, this is my first time kind of being around a whole bunch of SEC people. Um, it's been, it's been un- unbelievable so far. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to, to go to two Big 12 media days, and, and uh, although very similar, you guys do it the right way. And uh, so really looking, looking forward to today and talking a little bit about Texas A&M football and uh, just, you know, having a smile on my face and, and having a whole lot of fun. And then, of course, the question came up of, once again, do you feel internally that Kevin Sumlin's on the hot seat? Now, when I say internally, I mean inside the program, the players, are they talking about it? Are the other coaches talking about it? Here's what Trevor Knight had to say about Kevin Sumlin. I think any year is a crucial year for any team. Um, you know, I, I'm a guy that hasn't been around the program for a long time, but I do know that Coach Sumlin is, is very passionate about winning football games, as he should be. Um, and for, for myself, being at my senior season, I hope to give him that. Um, and so that's what we're focused on internally, is working hard every single day to, to be the best team we can be, to be the best individuals we can be, and to put a lot of points on the board so that we have an opportunity to win games. And then, of course, with him being new to the league, coming out of the Big 12, the question, of course, was asked about beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in 2013. Here's what Trevor Knight had to say about that big victory for Oklahoma and coming to Tuscaloosa later this year. Uh, you know, Alabama has set the bar extremely high over the past, you know, four, five, six years as being, you know, the elite or one of the elite teams in college football. And so uh, getting the opportunity to go play against them at their place this year is going to be a whole lot of fun for me. And the fact that, you know, um, you know, we got to play against them a few years ago and, and got to be, you know, victorious in that game. I think it's going to have some hype around the game. And that's what college football is all about. You know, the camaraderie and the passion about the game. That's why you love it. And so it's going to be a, a fun matchup. Absolutely. It will be a fun matchup, uh, Landon. And uh, it'll be even more fun if uh, Texas A&M is in a position to potentially win that game and then control their own destiny to the SEC championship game. Yeah, it really it just adds a lot more drama to an already really exciting football season. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Landon, and now let's shift gears and go over to the Georgia Bulldogs over on the east side. Uh, Georgia, of course, pulls in a brand-new coach in Kirby Smart. What are you expecting uh, Kirby Smart and Georgia to do this year in this first year? Yeah, you know, they have Nick Chubb to rely on and Sonny Michelle. Unfortunately, those two are kind of still banged up, not 100%. Um, and so that's going to be very interesting. If they can get the quarterback situation, which Jacob Eason looks to be like to be a slam dunk, uh, he was a great quarterback coming out of high school. If they can get that situation under control, plus Kirby Smart's defense, it's going to be really exciting. Over in the East, I don't know how you say they're not a favorite over Florida since Florida can't really get the QB situation right after Will Greer was suspended. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, in the offseason, Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb were both banged up. Here's what Kirby Smart had to say a week ago today up at Media Days about both running backs at Georgia. 
Sony is a guy that you know just got out. I guess Friday. You know, we're waiting on the muscle to uh, repair itself. Plate uh, should repair fine. Doctor there in um, Athens did an unbelievable job with the surgery and feels very confident that he's going to have 100% return. We just don't know when. You know, and his prognosis is less definitive right now than Nick's. We know less about Sony's than we know about Nick's. So that's the toughest part for me is just not knowing. But we'll know more by uh, a couple weeks. That of course was on Sony Michelle. Here's what he had to say about Nick Chubb. I don't have a whole lot more than Nick is working rigorously. He is passionate about his work ethic. He takes pride in that. He, he'll he tell you that he's come back, but he doesn't have all the flexibility back in his knee yet, and that's important to him being comfortable and confident to run the ball. I think the big part with Nick is going to be that first scrimmage or second scrimmage whenever he's cleared to go live. Can he take that first hit and start giving some blows back and gain confidence in that knee? Because he's doing everything right now with our team as if he's, he's normal, but he's, he's not going to be cleared to hit until possibly first scrimmage, second scrimmage. We're not sure yet. Now, of course, like Landon talked about earlier, was the uh, quarterback situation over there at Georgia. Here's what Kirby Smart had to say about Jacob Eason going into his first year at Georgia. The best measuring stick we have of Jacob Eason is his ability to handle pressure and perform in a pressure situation was that environment we put him in for the spring game. But he knew he wasn't going to lose that game. He knew there was nothing at risk in that game because it didn't matter. It was just a chance to go out and perform. But he certainly handled that well. And Grayson's got experience. And you know what? Now you can say what you want about uh, Bryce Ramsey, but the guy did well in the spring. And uh, he brings a little different dynamic to our table when he gets out there and runs around some. He then, of course, went on to say, uh, what the keys were for Jacob Eason this season, and here they are. Every decision you make in practice, every decision you make in a scrimmage, it's just one more decision towards making the right decision all the time. Repetition is the mother of all skill. So if repetition is the mother of all skill, you need lots of reps. This young kid's talented, but he's, he's, he's down some reps. The biggest issue is does he open the field up for a lot more playmakers and put the ball in some locations that maybe another guy can't? That's the question we got to answer. And then, of course talking with a first-time starter there. Kirby Smart brought up the issue of going on the road in the SEC. As anybody knows, it's tough, especially being a first-time starter. Here's what he said is the main key about going on the road in the SEC. Freshman's got to walk into Missouri, into whether it's Knoxville, Ole Miss, Oxford. I've been there a few times. you got to go into a raucous crowd and be able to block all that out. Lambert's already done all that. He's been there, done that. He's been a part of that. You know, Bryce has been a part of that. Jacob Hatton, the one thing I'll say about Jacob is every time he's been challenged with some kind of environment, it's never too big for him. So uh, we'll find out more as we go along. Then, of course, Landon, as everybody always does, I believe they did it with McElwain last year. And, of course, they did it with um, Kirby Smart this year. Basically, what did you take away from your time working with Nick Saban? Here's what Kirby Smart had to say about what he would take with him or what he would like to take with him, I should say, to Georgia from Nick Saban and Alabama. I don't think I can be who he is, and uh, I certainly have some differences. I've got to find that medium and that balance that I'm happy with. I'm certainly thankful for the opportunity he gave me, and uh, the career I've had to this point is a lot of the credit is to him. And uh, looking forward, I've got to do my own thing and be my own person, and that's important to me. Number one thing I'd like to take is some of those players, but <laughs> a lot of those guys are gone to the NFL. And of course, for the Georgia audio, we want to thank. 
680, the fan in Atlanta. Your voice for the Georgia Bulldogs over there for the audio, providing it for you guys here on the Stingray and Tuck Show. And for the Texas A&M audio, we want to thank TexAgs.com. And we hope we can partner with both A&M and Georgia this upcoming football season to continue to bring you guys uh, a lot of audio from both A&M and Georgia as we move along in the SEC. Now we're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we are going to talk with Will Lockamy and get his take on the SEC Media Days. That much, much more coming up on the other, other side of the break. You're listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show. Hey, it's Will Lockamy. You know me as the guy that makes really bad jokes along with my brother on the Paul Feinbaum Show. Luckily, you're not listening to that. You're listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show only on StingrayandTuckShow.com. Welcome back in to the Stingray and Tuck Show. We have on the Stingray and Tuck Show hotline uh, one of the Lockamy brothers, Mr. Reed Lockamy, is in the building. We're super excited. Will, how are you? Reed, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm really happy to be on the show uh, representing Lockamy Brothers as the taller Lockamy Brothers. <laughs> the taller, more handsome, would you say that as well? I, I say that, and I've got several other you know, uh, superlatives <laughs> to throw in, but I know we, we have a limited amount of time, so of we course, can leave it <laughs> taller and more handsome. Yes, yes, we'll leave it there. Um, you know, Reed, this has been a really exciting uh, SEC Media Days. Really, as always, there's some, something fun that comes out of it to talk about, really just to keep us busy from twiddling our thumbs. Um, but I was, in, I was informed that you were on vacation during SEC Media Days, and I have to ask, um, man, what in the world were you doing on vacation that kept you away from SEC Media Days? Yes, good question. Well, I, I went to the mountains of North Carolina to escape not media days, but the 97-degree afternoon heat uh, <laughs> in the Hoover area. Uh, and that's not even to mention any rising temperature among coaches being interviewed um, as well. So, yeah, I, I got out of out of town to try to cool off a little bit. Um, and traditionally, that's what I do as I come out of my hibernation. Um, I try to sleep through most of the off-season um, <laughs> And wake up just in time for media days. So good, good idea. And you know, with with media days, obviously you not being there, but of course uh, you're able to kind of hear the effects of that. Um, Reed, what do you think the biggest storyline from SEC media days uh, was? Do you, are you kind of go with the Alabama uh, with Nick Saban and Paul Feinbaum route, or do you think it was uh, maybe Dan Mullen talking about Jeffrey Simmons? Where, where do you? What is your opinion on what was the biggest storyline? Well, to me, I think it's anytime you get Feinbaum and Saban's name both attached uh, to, to a story coming out of media days in particular, I think that's what's going to draw the most attention. Um, you know, and, and I think people like to see that kind of you know tension kind of happen, and I think Alabama fans love to see Nick Saban, uh, you know, back up his policies and, and his actions and, and feel confident about it. And and I think everybody likes to see Paul Feinbaum get beat up a little bit. Um, so I think that's kind of the biggest story for me coming out of media days. All right, uh, Reed, it's Stingray here. Uh, listen, uh, we've talked a lot, and there's been a lot of media uh, surrounding this story. What are your thoughts on how Mississippi State handled the entire Jeffrey Simmons situation? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and unfortunately, that's one of the stories that I have not been as on top of recently as I should have been. Um, so I don't, I don't know right now, you know, as I get back in, honestly, I was joking earlier about doing the hybridation thing, but um, this summer has been a, a wild one for me, and, and I'm just now starting to get back and get into the mode of, of prepping for the, the season. So I don't know that right now I, I can really weigh in on that sufficiently. Okay, well, you know, obviously, unfortunately, the SEC has had a black eye with um, obviously Cam Robinson being in trouble and, sure. and obviously Jeffrey Simmons. And really it seems it's like Jonathan Leather being suspended. I mean, it, it is almost a daily occurrence. Unfortunately, there is negative attention. And, and I know this is, this is hard because we live down here in the Deep South, but let's take off our SEC hat for a second and, uh, and put ourselves in a situation of someone – Nationally, at the end of this football season, whether you know, say Alabama or someone wins a national title from the SEC, what do you think people are going to talk about more? The SEC's dominance uh, in football. Are there issues off the field? Because it is, it is coming to where you can't look past it. You know, football is great, but these guys are committing some real life issues. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, that's a good question. I think at the end of the day, the it's. It's the performance on the field and the results um, in the wins and losses column that people will will be most focused on. You know, we are in the off season. Uh, people are you know looking for things to talk about. Not that those are not legitimate stories. They certainly are. There's no question about it. You know, but also what gets lost and, and once again to go back to Nick Saban and he talks about this sometimes. You know, it's easy for us to forget uh, that these you know student athletes are are young people and they are knuckleheads at heart. Um, and you know you don't you don't have to think back too far to our own days in college and and remember that people just aren't quite playing with a full deck oftentimes <laughs> and making really poor decisions um, and I think it's not uncommon to see athletes you know have you know potentially more of these types of issues that come up now what exactly the reasons for that are I, I do not know but all of that is to say I think that when the season has come to an end people are going to be more interested in either you know SEC kind of reasserting itself um, you know after a bit of a shaky period um, you know obviously Alabama last year did a good job of cleaning cleaning up but people are wanting to know is the SEC going to reassert itself um, and if so then I think that'll be the talk and if not then I think that'll be the talk um, and, and find out where the power is shifting to. Absolutely, and I'm going to put you on the spot here just for a second. Who do you have meeting up in December in Atlanta in the SEC championship game from the West and the East? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, my gut tells me to go with Alabama uh, from the West. I just think it's, it's just awfully hard. You know, kind of in the same way that you never would pick against Tiger Woods when he was, you know, healthy. It just was foolish to do so. I I can't pick against Alabama. I think that LSU has, you know, too many questions with the instability that we saw there at the end of the last season. Um, it's just hard for me to imagine, you know, any other team catching fire in a way that's going to really – uh, challenge Alabama, although I guess it's possible that Ole Miss could cheat their way to the top. Uh, the reports that I hear seem to suggest they're getting better and better at that every single year. So, uh, But I'm going to say Alabama from the West, and man, the East, you know, I, I'm going to have to see Kirby Smart do something before I have a lot of confidence in, in 
you know, his ability to lead a program. <clears throat> Certainly he's got a great pedigree, but so do people like Will Muschamp, um, you know, and, and those people have struggled to, to be successful at times. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be Tennessee's year to live up to the expectations that a lot of their fans have had in the last two years. So um, I think that'd be a fun one to watch too, Tennessee and Alabama and Atlanta. All right, and one final question from me. How do you see Mississippi State moving on this year without arguably the best player in Mississippi State history, Dak Prescott? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I spent a little time this summer with a, a big Mississippi State fan and uh, was talking to her about her opinion of Dan Mullen, and, you know, I was very surprised to find that uh, she she wasn't real big on Dan Mullen, I think, which is really, in a weird way, is a compliment to Dan Mullen because the job he's done there at Mississippi State um, has raised expectations to the point where now, you know, getting to number one there, you know, a while back and then, you know, failing to kind of close those things out um, has left, I think, some Mississippi State fans uh, feeling like there's a next level that they ought to get to. And like you said, Stingray, without Dak Prescott, uh, Mississippi State is just the sort of team where, you know, you, sometimes you, you find yourself in a football game and you, and you say, well, we can't make any mistakes if we want to be competitive. And Mississippi State is the sort of team, I think, especially in the West, in such a tough division, where you think we can't, we can't be missing a, a great player. And so it's going to be awfully interesting to see how they try to rebound from that. I'm, I'm worried, for your sake, uh, that, that that's going to be a pretty serious struggle, especially – you know, with, with some good things, I think, cropping up in, in other towns in, in the Western Division. So um, I'd like to say that they're going to they're gonna do well, but I, I feel like that's going to become a pressure cooker for a moment. Okay. Sure, sure. All right. Uh, Reed, our last question here. Listen, we've, uh, we've, we've talked some good, serious stuff. Now we're going to go on. The NBA is finished with, but I did have a good question uh, about basketball. You ready? I am. Okay. One-on-one, Reed versus Will. Who wins in a game in a game uh, two ten ones and twos? Does your height win it, or do you think Will's speed sneaks around you? What do you think? That's a great question, and I can tell you, Will and I actually had a chance to get out and play some basketball uh, oh. once or twice in the last year. Oh snap! Um, and we are both extraordinarily rusty. Um, I was shocked. Apparently, turns out you can't take twenty years off from basketball and still be any good at it whatsoever. Wow. Um, and, and so I think what it would be is very, is very much a race to the bottom. Um, I feel like if we were playing to 10, it would be probably a three-hour-long game. And since I do more long-distance running than Will does, I think I would prevail um, oh. in trying to score those 10 points. Well, I'll tell you what. We might have to have a Stingray and Tuck Show special uh, and broadcast that live. We'd love to see that. Reed, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, absolute professional Stingray. And absolutely. And you can follow... Reed and his brother Will, both at the Lockamy Brothers, and of course their single one at Will and Reed Lockamy. Thank you so much for coming on, and hopefully we can do it again. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. All right, thank you. All right. Well, on that note, we pretty much don't have anything else, so we are going to wrap it up here on the Stingray and Tuck Show. We hope you guys have enjoyed this show. We are going to come back here in a few weeks uh, around August the 1st, 
and start back every single week, and we will be back there, of course, until the end of college football season and maybe even on into the college basketball season. Absolutely, man. We got a lot of really fun stuff planned. Um, just keep keep listening. I know you guys love some college football. You love sports, and that's what we will bring you here at the Stingray and Tuck Show. Make sure you keep listening. We will be back here in a few weeks. Absolutely, and we want your feedback too. Facebook, Twitter. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, give us your comments. Tell us what we need to do uh, a better job on, what we need to do, what you like, what you don't like. Just just interact with us uh, because you are the. The, the fans that basically run the show and help us get somewhere big. Absolutely. Uh, thank, thank you guys. Just tell, us, tell us your opinion on what you like. Uh, one thing we know that you do like is college football and Stingray. So we will combine those two. It's going to be great. What you going to do, brother? What you going to do when the Stingray and Touch Show goes live on you? See you guys later.